Let us pray. Gracious God, as we have listened for your word this morning, I pray that you would open our ears to hear, open our hearts to receive the truth that you would reveal to us this day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a uh, husband and his wife had uh, purchased their tickets for the big New Year's Eve gala. It promised to be a, uh, a festive evening. They were very much looking forward to it. Included in the price of the tickets were, the, were hors d'oeuvres and dinner and dancing with live entertainment and there was a, an open bar throughout the entire evening. They had made their plans weeks in advance. They had uh, arranged with a, a trusted babysitter to be in their home on uh, New Year's Eve night with their, with their eight-year-old daughter. So they had everything all squared away for a joyous and festive New Year's Eve celebration. And so the, 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 the big evening came. They were getting ready to go. The, the husband and his wife and, and their eight-year-old daughter was in their bedroom with them as, as they were getting ready. And, 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 the, uh, and the husband was getting on his, his tuxedo. It was that kind of it was a black tie sort of affair. And, and as he began to uh, take his tuxedo out of the closet, his daughter said, oh, no, Daddy, don't wear that suit. And he thought, oh, what's wrong with it? And he began to look at it for, for stains or tears or, or anything that, that, uh, that might mean he shouldn't wear it, but, but he didn't see anything. And so, so he asked her, well, honey, why don't you want me to wear my tuxedo tonight for the big party? And she said, oh, Daddy, that suit gives you a headache in the morning. <laughs> well, I think we all know that it wasn't the tuxedo that was responsible for giving the father the headache in the morning. But, but today, as we are on this last Sunday of 2012, preparing for the new year, looking into 2013, wanted to um, think about how we might spend the, this next, this coming year so that we don't wake up on December the 31st with a, a headache of regret for what we have made of this year that is before us. And I, I think we all know it, it has very little to do with our, our clothing selections in the coming year. There are a lot of other decisions that we make that are a whole lot more important than that, that have a whole lot more influence on how 2013 goes as a year than that. And so what I would like to do is draw upon this familiar story of David and Goliath, one that we may have kind of taken for granted. We heard it 
if we grew up in church, we probably heard it a lot as a child, but may not have heard it for a number of years, and, and draw some lessons from this story that we might apply to help us make the most of 2013. Because you see, as David selected those five smooth stones from the wadi, from that dry creek bed, before he encountered Goliath, I think we can learn five lessons, that we can draw five smooth stones from this story that might help us to uh, face the challenges that come our way in the new year in a uh, faithful and God-honoring manner. And so, uh, let's begin by considering that first section that we read, uh, 1 Samuel 17, verses 1 through 11. And, and that first section really gives us the, the, the background of the story, the, the setting of uh, what it was that was taking place at the time David had his encounter with Goliath. And what we learn is that this was during the, the uh, days when Saul was the king of Israel, and there was a, a conflict with the Philistines about who would be dominant in the land of Canaan. And so Saul's army uh, was encamped on one set of hills, and the Philistines, with Goliath of Gath as their champion, were encamped on the other set of hills, and there was this valley between them, the valley of Elah. And what we find is that as the armies prepare to do battle, this gigantic, powerful, imposing warrior, Goliath, would stride out into the valley between the two hills, and he would call out to the Israelites. He would dare them to send a man down to, to fight with him so that it might be decided whether Goliath was the superior warrior to anyone that Israel could offer up. And from Goliath's perspective, the, a, a battle between himself and whoever Israel would send out would be an indicator of which people should be dominant, of which people should serve the other people. And the really amazing thing, the really sad thing about this part of the story is that King Saul of Israel and all of his warriors seem to have accepted Goliath's definition of the situation. Goliath was bigger and stronger. His weapons were more imposing, and they were afraid to send anyone out to fight him because they were afraid they would lose. They accepted his definition of the situation and that they would end up being servants of the Philistines. But I think what our text shows us is the first smooth stone for us in the new year, that we, we don't have to accept the, the definition of uh, challenges that we may be faced with. There is a, another way, and that is to understand, to believe, to encounter any challenge we come up against 
in the confidence that God is the master of any challenge we will face. It doesn't matter if we are the strongest. It doesn't matter if we are the best equipped. It doesn't matter if we are the bravest. As followers of Christ, what is most important for us is to discern what God is doing and seek to cooperate with that. God is the master of any challenge we will face in 2013. That's the first smooth stone. In the next section of the passage, we meet the, our, our, our hero, uh, a new character in the story at this point in time. He is David, the youngest of eight sons of Jesse of Bethlehem. David, as we probably are aware, was a shepherd. And um, one of his jobs, in addition to keeping the flock, his father Jesse would uh, send him to check on his three older brothers who had volunteered for Saul's army. David would bring them um, food and provisions, and then he would get an update on how they were doing and, and how things were going in the battle, and then he would go back to Bethlehem and report to Jesse on his sons. What we uh, find out in, in this section of the passage is that uh, is, is that Jesse, uh, Jesse's three oldest sons, David's three oldest brothers, were, had, had volunteered to serve with Saul. It was kind of a people's militia that was supplied from, um, from their homes. And so David came, and as he arrived, the uh, men, the fighters of Israel, were just moving to the front lines. And, and uh, David left his things with the baggage, and he followed the, the soldiers up to the front lines. And, and it was just at that time that Goliath came out into the valley, and he resumed what he had, the kinds of things he had been saying before, defying the armies of Israel to send out a man that he might do battle with him, that they might find out who was superior and which people would serve the other. And when David uh, heard what Goliath was saying, he was appalled. And, and by David's action, we see a second smooth stone that we can pick up for the new year in um, learning how to face challenges in a way that honors God. And that second smooth stone, uh, yeah, the referee part. What, what Goliath was doing, what Goliath was doing there, if, if this was a football game, you would recognize that uh, he, was, he was talking trash, right? He was, he was talking trash to the Israelites. And if it was a football game, uh, the referee would have thrown the yellow flag and penalized him for unsportsmanlike conduct. But, but there was nobody who was going to stand up to Goliath, nobody who was willing to uh, take a stand against this giant Philistine. But David showed us the second smooth stone by, in, instead of uh, impulsively reacting to the challenge, 
he scoped it out so he could get an understanding of what exactly it was that was going on there in the valley of Elah. Of course, David realized right away that uh, what was going on was, was wrong. He recognized that God is the master of any challenge that any of us face, including the army of, of Israel. And, and realizing that, he began to ask questions of the soldiers who were there. How, how come you're letting this Philistine, this pagan Philistine, defy the armies of the living God? What are you so afraid of? Why isn't anyone going out to fight him? And and what we learn is that David's oldest brother, Eliab, he got aggravated with these, with these questions that David was asking. And, and he basically, he, he told him to, 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 to be quiet, that he was just out for his, his own glory, just out for his own interest. And David's response to his oldest brother, Eliab, is instructive for us. It is, in fact, the third smooth stone for us to pick up in the new year for when we face challenges, and that is don't listen to discouragers. David, when faced with criticism from his oldest brother, the Scripture tells us he simply turned away and continued asking questions, continued seeking understanding of the situation so that he might uh, be a part of a solution to the huge challenge that Goliath posed to the armies of Israel. Did you uh, hear the story about the, the two buffaloes who were home, home on the range, where seldom is heard a discouraging word? It seems that as they were, they were uh, standing there, a, a cowboy rode up, and he said to these two bison, he said, you two are the ugliest, stinkiest varmints I ever did see, and your humps are just plain irritating. If I didn't think it was a waste of bullets, I'd shoot both of you and make the world a better place. And with that, the cowboy rode off into the sunset. The two bison continued chewing on the grass, and after a while, one of them swished his tail and turned and said to the other, I think we just heard a discouraging word. <laughs> Don't listen to discouragers. It's the third smooth stone for us to pick up. Well, in the, in the next uh, section of the text, we, we heard how the questions that David was asking, that the word got not only through the ranks of the army, but it made it all the way to King Saul, that this uh, young shepherd boy brother of three of the guys in Saul's army were, was asking these uncomfortable questions about the challenge that the army of Israel was facing with this huge Philistine champion Goliath. And so uh, Saul summoned David to come and meet with him so that uh, they could, they could, Saul could straighten him out. And David immediately uh, volunteered to go and be the one who would 
answer Goliath's challenge to, who would go into the valley of Elah and face Goliath. And Saul saw that, that it was a, a, an irrational kind of an offer on David's part. I mean, he, he wasn't a, a warrior. He wasn't a soldier. He hadn't been to battle. He was a, he was a shepherd. It didn't make uh, any sense at all for David to be the one from Israel who would uh, go to fight Goliath. There was, there was no rational reason for David to do that as far as Saul could see. But, but David was looking beyond the surface realities that Saul was kind of stuck on. You see, David remembered the way that God had protected him all throughout his life. He knew that as a shepherd, he had had to face um, wild animals, lions and bears, the text tells us. And when one of those predators would, would get one of the sheep from the flock that David was watching over, David would go after the large carnivore and, and hunt it down before it could kill the lamb and either strike it with his sling or beat it with his staff until he could get the lamb away and bring it back safely. Certainly not let the, not let the animal escape to kill again. In David's mind, that protection that he had experienced throughout his life, that was protection that came from God's hand. You see, David was seeing the supernatural reality that was beyond the rational reality that Saul was stuck on. David believed that since God had protected him and provided for him throughout his life, that in the current situation, the Lord would do the same thing. And that is, in fact, the fourth smooth stone we can pick up in the new year to remember, to think back on all those times when God has provided for us, when God has protected us, and to trust in His continuing provision in the coming year, no matter what the challenge is that we face. And this can be a difficult thing to do, I understand. I, I remember personally as we were finishing, as I was finishing my studies in seminary, I began to have anxiety that I wasn't going to be able to find a job. And, and my wife, Cindy, reminded me that you know, God had been so faithful in providing for our family during seminary. There had been so many things that needed to fall into place for all that to work out. And the Lord had, had done it all along. But there was no way that at the end of that process that we were just going to be, that God was just going to let us go and forget about us. Remember God's faithfulness in the past and trust that the Lord will continue to provide whatever the challenge may be that we face. That's the fourth 
smooth stone. And then the, the last part of the passage that we read, Saul seeing that, that David was determined to go and, and fight the Philistine, he at least thought that the, that the young shepherd should be as equipped as, as any soldier would be. So he had David uh, try on Saul's own armor, the, the, the chain mail, and strap his sword and put his helmet on. And all of that stuff made it impossible for David to move around. He wasn't, he wasn't used to it. He couldn't move in a, in a natural and a, a nimble kind of way. And so he, he removed all that protective gear that the king gave him. And instead, he went to face the Philistine with just what he was used to. He had his staff, he had his sling, and he had those five smooth stones that he had selected from the dry creek bed. And the way David faced Goliath, the way he went, he encountered that huge challenge is, in fact, the fifth smooth stone for us to remember. Whatever challenge we face, we do it equipped with our God-given strengths and abilities. And we can trust the Lord uh, to guide us. Uh, a very inspirational saying for me is uh, from, from Teddy Roosevelt, and I think it applies here to kind of summarize this, uh, these five smooth stones. It's, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the one who points out how the strong man stumbled or how the doer of deeds might have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred with sweat and dust and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself in a worthy cause, who, if he wins, knows the triumph of high achievement, and who, if he fails, at least fails, while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. And so, friends, as we face 2013, and whatever challenges may come our way, let us do so with these five smooth stones in mind. First, believe that God is the master of any challenge you or I will face in the coming year. It is true. Second, before reacting to any challenge that comes up. First, seek to understand it. Scope it out. Don't react impulsively. Scope it out so that you can respond in the most God-honoring way possible. Third, when facing a challenge, don't listen to the voices of discouragement. Ignore discouragers. Fourth, 
when faced with a challenge, even one that seems insurmountable, remember, remember God's faithfulness in the past and trust that the Lord is continuing to work out His plan in your life. And finally, face whatever challenges come your way. And there will be challenges in 2013 for you and for me, for all of us. Face whatever challenges come our way, knowing you are equipped with God-given gifts and abilities. And as you use those, trust the Lord to guide you. Whatever comes in 2013, may it be a blessed year in which we use these five smooth stones. Let us pray.